Somebody say amen. amen. Moses asked a question up in verse number 13. Now, this is key. Verse 13, I know I didn't give that to my brother, so you actually have to use your Bible. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Listen. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Would you grab the hand of the person next to you and get ready to learn something about the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I give you praise today, and I thank you for all that you have done. I worship you, Lord. Today, we exalt the name of Jesus. We exalt the Lord of glory. We exalt the Trinity of God today. And today, Father, we learn of you. Today, Lord, we reverence you. Today, Lord, we welcome your presence not only into this place, but into our soul, the abode of all that we are today. Father, you are everything that I need. Today, Lord, I thank you for your Son, and I worship and praise you, Lord God, for, Lord, you are worthy of our praise. We thank you, and we give you praise. In the name of Jesus. And everyone in God's house said, Amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand. Get ready to receive from the Lord. Isn't it marvelous that God would share his name with us? A marvelous Lord and Master. When you look at the depictions of his name throughout the Old Testament, 6,800 times he reveals himself. And the name by which he reveals himself is Yahweh, Jehovah, Yahovah. The Hebrews thought his name so holy that they would not even write it all the way out. They dropped the vowels in the name Yahweh. Instead of spelling it Y-A-H-Y-E-W, they would drop the A and the E. Why would they do such a thing? Because they were afraid that they might misuse or speak the Lord's name in vain. That's how much they reverenced the name of God. In this burning bush... The angel of the Lord. I told you that this was a theophany. Whenever God deals with mankind, Jesus was the one that did the dealing. This was no ordinary angel. In fact, the way that you think of angel, Jesus is not. But he came and he dealt with Moses in that burning bush. All throughout the Bible, the Lord God has dealt with us and tried to help us. You might ask me, and I'm glad you did ask, what does the name Jehovah or Yahweh mean? Well, it means also 
It's a Hebrew, it plays on a Hebrew verb to be, and that God is, God is now, and He is present, but primarily God's name deals with salvation and deliverance. 6,800 times in the Old Testament alone, God says, I come to save you and I come to deliver you. Through the burning bush, we got to set this story up, Pastor. What was Moses doing on the backside of the desert? Why was he out there with his father-in-law, Midian? What was this that he was doing? Well, the children of Israel had been in Egyptian captivity now for 400 years. They arrived as guests, and they stayed so long they became slaves. Satan will make you feel like a guest until you get comfortable and you look at your hands, and then you see the chains and the shackles that have been applied while you slept and slumbered. 400 years. Yeah, Joseph was made second in command, a Hebrew, second in command of Egypt. But they stayed so long that the enemy entangled and wrapped his clothes around them till now they are slaves in a land that they used to be guests. If you run with the wrong crowd you'll end up being a slave to their God. If you run with the wrong crowd, the lowest form of morality represented in that crowd, the rest of the gang will descend to that level. So, parents, when you send your youngster out who has been trained in Christianity should know Jesus and you see them running around with a gangster, you see them running around with somebody that's doing drugs and you just hope that their training is is going to pull them through, you're dangerous ground. They're a guest to begin with and will soon become a slave. So this is why Moses was there because he took things into his own hands while he was in Egypt. He was educated. He had the finest of educations. He was very intellectual, very well liked by most everybody. But he found out he was a Hebrew and he saw a Hebrew being whipped by an Egyptian and it got his hackles up. And he rose up and slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And it was found out. The Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. When you lay down at night and the thoughts of your sin are running through your head and you don't think the rest of the family knows. Your heavenly Father knows. He knows what you've been into. He knows what you're doing. But let me tell you something. He comes to save and to deliver. We're going down another rabbit trail here. 
just follow me. That's how I write and that's how I preach. Jesus Christ, when he was in the tomb, three days, three nights was in the tomb. The Bible says that he went into the depths of the earth and there he conquered the enemy. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave and he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. Jesus stormed the gates of hell so you would never have to visit that place. I want to reiterate just a little bit, Brother Gary. Last week, Pastor Ben's sermon on hell was one of the greatest sermons I have ever heard in my entire life. If you missed it, you need to hear it. In this age of technology, you can go. Brother Jeff will tell you exactly how to get to our website and exactly how to download it into your iPhone, and you can have one of the greatest sermons of our era right there in front of you, and it will feed you. I came in a condition that, Pastor, I can't hardly describe, but I felt like I was beaten down. Somehow my joy had slipped away. You say, how can a message about hell do that? Because I felt like the church had lost its passion. And my faith in the body of Christ was lifted up that somebody would have the courage to warn us about a place called hell. I didn't go out of here depressed. I went out of here on cloud 10. (laughs) There's still life in the church. Somebody's still preaching the truth. Jesus is alive. And his name is still salvation and deliverance. (laughs) Moses arrives, ran from Egypt because he was a murderer now. Oh, and tell me, You just tell me why you can't serve God. Tell me how bad your background is. Hello? Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. If there had been drugs back in that day and time, God would have used somebody delivered from drugs as well. From the deepest, darkest sin to take another man's life. God called him to be a deliverer. And by the way, do you know who wrote the first five books of the Bible? You say, was he in the Garden of Eden? No, but he was on the mountain of God. It's called the Pentateuch. He wrote it. He had to write about himself. He had to write about his own murder. He had to write about running to the desert. He wrote about the angel of the Lord that burned in the bush. He wrote about pulling his sandals off. He wrote about the power of God. He wrote about his hand going into his bosom, pulling it out as leprous and as white, putting it back in his coat and pulling it out. It looked just like baby skin. Oh, God is salvation. 
and deliverance. I'm going to take you back to another scripture. Throw my other scripture up there, brother. Genesis chapter 18. We're going back, going backwards just a little bit to Genesis 18, where another man of God was in his tent, and two angels, well, three men arrived. Let's read the story. Genesis chapter 18 and verses 1 and 2. You see, Abraham's nephew had separated himself and gone with the wrong crowd, Lot. Lot chose to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. Abraham still loved Lot. Didn't love where he was living, but he loved Lot. And it says in verses 1 and 2, And the Lord appeared unto him, in the plains of Mamre. Here we see another theophany. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. Now just imagine out somewhere, probably on the backside of a desert, watching the heat waves rise above the ground. Here comes three people, look like men, and in the heat of the day, they come and stand in front of the door of the tent and Abraham on the inside. And Abraham lift up his eyes, verse number 2, and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself to the ground. I'm not going to read the whole story, but I'm going to tell the story. These three men met with Abraham and they explained that they had come to see if there were any righteous souls in Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham, being a man of God, began to barter with God. Would you save the city for 50's sake? If there was 50 righteous people, would you save the city Oh, yeah, I'll save the city for 50 righteous. You know, if God was looking to drop the hammer on you, he would have done it a long time ago. He, he's not looking for that. Would you save it for 45? Would you save it for 40? Then he went to 30 and 20, and finally he got the Lord down, and he was, well, he was rather groveling. He said, oh, Lord God. Permit me just this once more. Let the words carefully come out of my mouth. In other words, would you save it for ten's sake? You see, because two of the men had already gone to Sodom and Gomorrah, and one stayed behind. And the one that stayed behind was the one that Abraham called Lord, Jehovah, God of the present, God of the now, God of the future, the Lord that is, the Lord that is salvation, 
the Lord that is deliverance. He's saying to him, you are salvation. You are deliverance. Would you spare this city just for ten's sake? God always lives up to his name. Put him to the test. He'll save you. If you call upon him, he will save and deliver you. Can you give him praise today in the house of God? You know the story. The two angels arrived at Sodom and Gomorrah, and the men of the city wanted to have sex with them. And the two angels struck them with blindness. Just so you're not confused. The word of God, even in the book of Romans in the New Testament, tells us that that kind of activity is perverse. It was, it is, and it will always be. If you have a problem with what I've said, I didn't say it. You have a problem with God. Not me. You have a problem with God. But God wants to save you. Why would you contend with God? Do you think you're going to win? Do you think he's impressed with your intellect? Do you think your argument stands up in the court of God? The one that loves humanity enough to send his only begotten son. He showed his love. Didn't talk about it. He showed his love. Somebody say amen this morning. One thing I want to make perfectly clear today. Lip service is not worship. You can shout and sing, and do all sorts of mannerisms, stuff, yeah. You can do all that stuff. But if when you leave the house of God, there's been no change, it's lip service. You see, outside of the pulpit, I'm pretty quiet. You may not believe me, but ask my wife. She always tells the truth. Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. I've been cursed with male hormones. I'm not a chatty. I won't chat you up. I say something when I've got something to say. I don't talk just because somebody else isn't. That's just the testosterone, I suppose. Part of my brain is dead, and that's all right. You can call me a nitwit, whatever. That's fine. I know we need communication. Lord knows women, blessing of God. Men, blessing of God. Just enjoy the difference and quit fighting it. Your husband's not going to be chatty because he's not a woman. If you need to be chatty, call up one of your girlfriends. I don't even like talking on the phone. If I don't recognize the name and they call me Mr. White, sorry, click. You see, that's rude. No, I had to learn to do that or else I'd stay on the phone with somebody trying to sell me aluminum siding all day long. I'm not doing it. 
I don't curse them, I just click them. <laughs> Try it, you'll like it. Don't contend with him. You want, you want the ear of God? You want God's favor? You want God's blessing? Then come before him with a broken heart. Come before him with a contrite, with contrition, whether you're broken. And he alone can help you. He alone can heal you. He alone can forgive your sins. He alone can deliver you from the depths of despair, from all sorts of chains and shackles. Who is this man we speak of? What is his name? He is Alpha and Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the beautiful rose of Sharon. He is the balm of Gilead. He is the good shepherd. He is the vine. He is the door that leadeth unto life. His name is salvation. Somebody give him praise this morning. He is the Word. Somebody got a Bible. Let me, I won't tear it up. He is the Word made flesh. Jesus himself said, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I would imagine that unequivocally. Most of you, when you pray to the Father, you try to imagine him as an old man on a throne. It's natural. We're human. That's how we relate to other people. Well, God is a person. Somebody say amen. And did you know that a person doesn't necessarily have to have a body? When you lay your loved ones in the grave... They're not there anymore, but they're still a person. The soul and spirit go on to be with the Lord. Paul said to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Our heavenly Father is almighty God, almighty spirit, but he sent his son in the form of man and in the form of flesh so you might relate to him. The perfect man who knew no sin died for all of your sins. If he came as an angel, it wouldn't have got the job done. If he came as another, uh, another creature, it wouldn't have got the job done. Why? Because he had to live as you lived, yet without sin. He is altogether lovely. 
He is altogether perfect. He is altogether righteous. There is none likened unto him. There is no other man on earth that you can trust like you can trust Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can forgive your sin. He's the only one that never sleeps. He's the only one that is absolute righteousness. He's the only one with power to heal. Power to heal you and to deliver you. Why his name is Jehovah? Why couldn't he? Oh, Isaiah said, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. I'm talking about Jesus Christ was involved in salvation from the very creation of man. There's a scarlet thread of redemption that runs from Genesis to Revelation. He's the soon coming king. He is king of kings and lord of lords. How? Would you praise him today? When you shout in the church house, make sure that's the way you live when you get to work tomorrow. I don't mean you got to shout. I mean you got to live. When you say you're a Christian, be just exactly that. Be Christ-like, be loving, be forgiving, and do the name honor. Do the name honor. Would you stand with me today? Moses tried to use his past as an excuse not to answer God's call. Well, I can't speak well. I'm not a public speaker. Jehovah said, I'm going to let your brother do that. Aaron, he'll speak for you. But, but I, I just can't, I can't, I can't. God just got fed up with it. He called him on the carpet for it. Let me tell you something. Once God has called you, he's not quitting. If you think you can run from him, let me tell you, he's relentless. He's relentless. You might as well give in. He is going to seek you out to the day you die. He loves you. He's got to live up to his name. His name, salvation and deliverance. He wants to save you. He wants to take you to heaven. He wants you to just give in and be broken before him. Put your haughtiness down. Put the idea that you can do it on your own. Just put that away because you can't. It's disgusting to him. Whenever we think we can do it on our own self-righteousness, it's disgusting to him because he sees you just exactly. In fact, your self-righteousness itself is a sin. If you're accustomed to doing everything all by yourself and being independent, that's not salvation with the Lord. He's looking for children. 
He's looking to pull you into his breast. He's looking to be able to say to you, Brother Gary, I love you. You're mine. I will protect you. I will take you to heaven. And the gates of hell will not prevail because you're my child. I have washed you in my blood. You are blood-stained. You've got my genetics all over you. Do you have the spiritual genetics of the Lord Jehovah flowing through you today? You're God's, and he doesn't give up. Well, every head is bowed, every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Father, for your blessings. I give you praise. I thank you most of all because I can relate to this. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for Jesus. that He came to this earth and did all that he did as a man so that I would not have to die and go to hell. As, as wonderful as that message was last week, Brother Ben would tell you, I don't want you to go there. You don't have to go there. That's what he said. It was made for the devil and his angels. Why would you run headlong to a place that was not built for you? I want to run to the Father this morning through his son, Jesus Christ. I want to ask as many as will today, would you grab the hand of the person next to you and would you come down here? I want to pray for you in a special way. If you want... Special prayer in the laying on of hands, that's fine. We'll find you, we'll do that. But if you will all come, those that can, those that will, would you come and just spread out before here. If you get up here early, just walk, and walk on down this way. I want everybody to have ample room. Would you come today? I'm not going to embarrass you. This is not about embarrassment. It's about something far more important. Just spread out. Everybody just kind of take another step that direction, if you would. Come down the other aisles. Now, I want you to join hands, if you will. You see, there's strength in numbers. A three-fold cord is not easily broken. We've got a lot more than just three. God deals with three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He deals with man in the same way body, soul, and spirit, and he's interested in you today. But here's something that you may not have realized. This is your family. Did you know that even genetically you're all related? Because you came from Adam and Eve. Every person here, you are genetically my brother and my sister. You have a different name. Maybe your skin isn't pasty like mine, but I'm your brother. You, you know, you got one of those loud relatives. That, you know, you just do. But here's something more important than the genetic, Adamic connection. If you're a child of God, this is your eternal family. Take a look. We need to hold one another up. When one falls, pull them up. Don't talk about them. 
Don't run to anybody else. Pull them up out of the ditch. Pray for them. Anoint them. Take them before the Father. Have intercessory prayer. Fight for one another. Those of you that have younger brothers and sisters and you saw somebody abusing them, it would incite you to riot if somebody was abusing your little brother or your little sister. There'd be something more than taking names going right now while the Spirit of God is here. For those that you're holding hands with today, I want you to call them out before God. That way nobody is left out. And if you need special prayer after this time, we'll have prayer with you. But I want to teach you how to pray for somebody beside yourself. Hello? Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, for my brother, for my sister, I hold them up before you. They are important. They are my relative. And I love them. I love them. Bless them. Keep them. Deliver them. Empower them. God, make their life a blessing and a light unto many. In Jesus' name.